Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this morning is today's gospel, once again from the sixth chapter of Mark's gospel. Hear again these words. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This is the word of our God. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God willing, this afternoon my family and I are leaving for a few days of camping down at Colorandre State Park in Sheboygan. This is something that we've done for many years with a group of my seminary classmates and their families. At times we've had upwards of 60 people on this camp out, going to be a little bit less this year. And as I said, we've been doing this for many years. We started out with little babies that we could hold in our arms, and now those little babies are going off to college and getting married at an alarming rate. As you know, time flies. I've loved to go camping ever since I was a little kid, and my parents took me camping. There's just something about it for me. Uh, the sunshine, hopefully sunshine, and the fresh air. The slow pace of life while you're camping, the big calorie-filled breakfasts, games around the picnic table, conversations around the campfire. Down at Colorandre, you've got the sun and surf at the beach. I also enjoy the challenge of camping in tents. Yes, we still camp in tents. And of keeping everybody dry and comfortable throughout the camping trip. Again, there's just something about it. Now, I've got nothing against going to nice museums or visiting big cities or going to tropical locales or anything like that, that's fine too. But for me, if I really want to relax, one of the best ways to do it is just to go camping. That's where I rest really well. In the portion of Mark's gospel before us this morning, our Lord Jesus expresses his concern that his sheep get some rest. And he wants us to have rest both for our bodies and for our souls. And so today, we are privileged to hear his invitation, come and get some rest. In last week's gospel, we heard how Jesus sent his 12 disciples, he calls them apostles here, out on a preaching tour. He sent them away to go and preach his word. He told them some things to do and not to do. They were to go and they were to not take anything extra, any extra food or clothing or anything like that. They were to rely on the hospitality of their hosts. Uh, he told them what to do if a place would reject the message they were preaching. They were to leave that place, shake the dust off of their sandals. He even gave them authority over evil spirits. I guess you could say what Jesus did is he sent his 12 out on their vicar training. He sent them out to get some hands-on experience as to what it was like to go out and preach and teach his word. And he put a very simple message in their mouths. Repent. When they returned, they were excited to share with Jesus what they had taught and all that they had experienced. And I have to say, I remember what it was like coming back from my vicar year. Uh, you probably know kind of how our seminary education is set up. Uh, after you graduate from college in our ministerial education system, if you want to be a pastor, you go on to the seminary, and you go for two years of classroom instruction at the seminary, and then the third year, they send you out to a congregation to get some hands on training, kind of an apprenticeship. And you do that under a pastor's supervision for a year, and then you come back for one more year of classroom training at the seminary. 
I was privileged to vicar at Grace in Falls Church, Virginia. And when I came back from my vicar year, I was excited and I had all kinds of stories and experiences to share. And so did all of my classmates. And I think for the first two weeks of our last year at the seminary, that's about all we did was just share vicar stories. It got to be a thing where you'd make fun of a guy if he was telling too many vicar stories. But it was fun. And we wanted to share those experiences. I can see Jesus' disciples having that same kind of excitement as they share with him, Lord, this is what we got to do. As Jesus listened to them, he could tell that they were tired. They had worked hard on their preaching tour. Not only that, but at that moment they were in Capernaum. And whenever they were in Capernaum, they were always really, really busy, super busy. People just wouldn't let them hardly have a breath. It was just constant. In fact, he mentions in our text that, that they didn't even have a chance to get a bite to eat. And so finally Jesus said, enough, we need to get out of here. He said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Would you agree that we Americans are not always that great at taking time for rest? Work, 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 work. That seems to often be the attitude of the American worker. Did a little, little, little bit of research, and the, the people of the Gallup polls uh, have some interesting information about this. The typical American worker who works full-time works 47 hours each week. That's up about an hour a week from just a decade ago. And four out of ten of those workers report that they work 50 or more hours each week. At the same time, we Americans tend to take less vacation than people from other countries. The typical American worker gets two weeks paid vacation, which he often doesn't take all of, right? Whereas in other countries, European nations, for example, it's double that, 28 days. Now, I'm not trying to put down hard work. Hard work is to be commended. Hard work is a, a backbone of our society. It's one of the things that built our nation. And yet, my friends, workaholism is not to be commended. Why is it that we tend to work so hard? Well, sometimes it's for good and godly reasons. Sometimes it's because we want to take care of our families and make ends meet and be good stewards of the things that God has given us, including our strength and our time. But far too often we work so hard because we want to serve our materialistic appetites. We work so hard sometimes because we've just forgotten the difference between wants and needs. And so we work ourselves to death paying the mortgage on a house that is way too big and grand for our needs. Or we work our fingers to the bone so that we can have that fancy car and the boat and the cabin up north and the jet skis and the snowmobiles and on and on and on. And we just work like crazy so we can keep going out. We don't want to miss that Friday night fish fry. Not ever. I think you get the idea. Now, there's of course nothing wrong with any of those things, those material things and activities that I just mentioned to you. However, when we work ourselves to death to get them, when we work so hard that we neglect our families, our friends, our health, or our faith, then we really have a problem, don't we? 
My friends, the fact of the matter is, as Jesus indicates to us today, we need rest, bodily rest. Jesus himself encouraged his disciples to get some rest, right? Jesus himself went and found times for rest for himself. He sought out solitary places where he could have peace and quiet for prayer and meditation and rest. And we need to do the same. I'm talking about things like adequate sleep and time off from work and a change of pace now and again. And maybe an actual real vacation. There is wisdom in this. Biblical wisdom. Wise Solomon wrote this in Psalm 127. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. In other words, it's, it's foolish of us to work ourselves to death just to put food on the table because our God promises that he will take care of us. But I want you to understand, in this text, Jesus is not just talking about getting eight hours of sleep a night or, or taking a long weekend. He isn't just talking about bodily rest. Listen carefully to what he said. He said, come with me and get some rest. You see, there is no true rest apart from Jesus because finally only Jesus can give rest for our souls. We go back again to our text. They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Our text contains one of my very favorite Greek words, splankna. Isn't that just kind of fun? Splankna, I can say to you, it's really fun to say. It's also really full of meaning. The Greek word splankna refers to your intestines, your entrails, your guts. The verb form of this word is used in our text, where our English Bibles translates, he had compassion on them. The Greek literally says Jesus was moved in his inward parts, in his guts. In other words, Jesus looked at this crowd and his stomach began to churn. Have you ever seen a sight so pathetic that it, it just kind of made you literally sick to your stomach? A family sifting through the ashes and rubble of what until very recently had been their home. A uh, father sitting beside the bedside of his daughter. And she's got all kinds of tubes and machines hooked up to her. And he's got his head buried in his hands because he's silently praying that the Lord would spare her or would let him take her place. A starving child lying on a filthy dirt floor with sunken eyes and clearly exposed ribs and flies crawling in and out of his mouth. When you saw something like that, your stomach probably churned. That's the way Jesus felt when he looked at this crowd who had run from hither, thither, and yon to get there ahead of them and be with Jesus and his disciples. Why did he feel that way about them? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Now, sheep are not exactly the brightest bulbs of the animal kingdom, are they? Sheep just have a real strong tendency to get themselves into all kinds of trouble. Without a shepherd to lead them or guide them, sheep tend to wander off and, and they eat things that they're not supposed to eat and they get sick or they get lost or they fall into pits that they can't get themselves back out of again or they find themselves as the entree of the day for a hungry predator. 
These people that came out to meet Jesus were like shepherdless sheep. You see, they weren't learning the truth about the Messiah in their synagogue services. And so they were looking for the Messiah. They thought Jesus was the Messiah, but they weren't looking for a Savior from sin. They were looking for a political Savior. They were looking for, many of them, a military hero who would get rid of the hated Romans and bring back the glory days of Israel. Their shepherds, their spiritual leaders, were in general faithless. They did not teach salvation by grace as the Bible teaches. No, they taught the people a system of works to earn their way to heaven. And so many of those people in that crowd no doubt thought that all they had to do was just go through the religious motions. Just follow the rituals of temple and Torah and everything would be fine. They would be in God's good graces. Jesus saw and understood all of this in an instant. And his churning stomach moved him to compassionate action. What did Jesus, who was so tired, do? He began teaching them many things. What he taught them was radically different from what they had been hearing in their synagogues. He taught them about the God who freely forgives. The God who loved them in spite of their sins. He pointed to himself as the promised Messiah. The one sent by the Father above. Not to save them from the Romans, but to save them from the hell that was earned by their sins. He taught them the only message that could lift up the burdens from their sin-sick souls. The only message that could give peace and perspective and power to their lives. The only message that could give them real rest. The message of God's free and faithful grace in His Son. Now in 2,000 years, nothing has changed. We, like the people that came to Jesus on that day, are by nature leaderless, shepherdless sheep, confused and lost, harassed and helpless. Like them, we, we desperately need a shepherd to guide us to the clear waters and green pastures of his word, a sheep-loving Savior who can give rest to our souls. And my friends, we have one. Oh yes, we have one. We have exactly the shepherd that we need, the only shepherd there is. We have a shepherd who in grace dressed himself in the clothing of his sheep. He wrapped himself up in our human flesh and lived under God's law in our place and fulfilled it for us because we couldn't by his perfect sin-free obedience. We have a shepherd who, according to plan, willingly laid down his life for the sheep, who made himself a sacrifice, a lamb without blemish or defect, and his priceless blood shed on the cross bleaches away every stain of our sins. We have a shepherd, my friends, who not only laid down his life on the cross, but who in great power and glory and majesty took it back again, who rose again on the third day. And that shepherd's empty tomb is the guarantee that we have victory over the, that ancient evil foe, the devil, that we have forgiveness for every last one of our sins, and that we have life and rest that will never, ever end. My friends, we need to be with this shepherd. We need regular, quiet, restful time with the Good Shepherd. Which means we need to be in God's house regularly as we are today. 
to listen to our shepherd's voice, to hear his word, and to receive the supper of his true body and blood for the strengthening of our faith. And we need in-depth study in his word, the kind of study provided in our classrooms here, in our adult Bible study, and in our elementary school, and confirmation classes, and Sunday school, and Lutheran high school. And yes, we need to spend time personally with Jesus in our own homes with that open Bible on our laps or gathered around the kitchen table having a devotion with our families. By the way, I'm going to put in a little plug here. Our family seminar is scheduled for Saturday, August 4th from 10 o'clock in the morning until 2 in the afternoon. And one of the things we're going to talk about in that seminar is this very kind of thing, this kind of issue, talking about spending time with our Good Shepherd as we study His Word in our own homes and have devotions with our families. We hope that many of you will join us for that event. It's not too late to register. And of course... All of this is so important. Think about it. We are so often overworked, under pressure, stressed out, and just plain exhausted. We need quiet time with the Lord Jesus. Because in this shepherd and in his teaching, we find true rest. Rest for our souls. Rest that allows us to put our heads on our pillows at night and sleep in the sweet peace of forgiveness. Rest that allows us to get up in the morning energized and ready to go to work in love for our neighbors, in love for our families, and in thanks and for the glory of our Savior. The shepherd himself extends to us this invitation, come and get some rest. Or as he said on another occasion, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. That's his promise to you and me, the harassed and helpless, the weary and burdened. Rest. Rest for our souls. Rest that will never, ever end. In the name of our Savior and Shepherd Jesus Christ, amen.